Hi, this is Nicole Hemsoth, editor of HPC Wire. Here with today's edition of Soundbite, our regular podcast series featuring researchers, thought leaders, and newsmakers in the world of high-performance computing. Today we'll be talking to Tim Carroll, former executive director for Global HPC at Dell, and now a VP of Business Development and Ecosystem at Cycle Computing. Hey, Tim. Hey, Nicole. Great to talk to you again. You too, and congratulations on your new role. Thanks a lot. It's uh, it was nice to have uh, a few months to uh, a few months to think about things, and then uh, and then be back in action now. So I'm really excited to be uh, what we're doing today. So if you could give me a sense of your view on the market for HPC clouds. I know there are a lot of options available, and without talking products or solutions necessarily, give me a sense on what you think the adoption is. How does it match up with what the analysts tell us? Well, honestly. I have not um, spent a whole lot of time analyzing what the analysts have said because the last few months have been such a whirlwind in terms of just the sheer number of engagements that we have going with customers on both the commercial and the public side. And so you know, my take on it really comes from the historical perspective of in 2003 at Linux Networks, we put the first production cluster in with Tom Kendall at the Army Research Lab for the DOD's High Performance Modernization Program. And so I remember the, the resistance we felt. I mean, all of the reasons that people said Linux clusters were never going to be able to do what supercomputers did. Um, and you know, 10 years later, we put Stampede on the floor at, uh, with Dell. We put Stampede on the floor at TAC. And just having been through that journey uh, from the first one at the DOD to you know, a petaflop class machine at, uh, at TAC, you know, this feels so familiar that that's why it's so exciting is, is that we're, I, I just think from a, from a user's perspective, from a center director's perspective, that, that where we are right now, we have the opportunity to have an even bigger impact on the ability to get better answers faster by making this jump to cloud than we did when we made the jump from proprietary systems to x86 clusters. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you're seeing an opportunity or you wouldn't have joined Cycle Computing. They've got, I, I have to say, all bias aside, they have some really impressive use cases as far as um, HPC clouds go. And it's so rare to find solid examples of high-performance computing applications being done on a public cloud environment. Um, what are some of the opportunities and also some of the challenges that you see going forward for Cycle and for the cloud at large for this for this particular community? Sure. Well, I think that... Um when you when you talk about cycle that that is the thing um that that attracted me but also really got me got my attention um is the use cases is that cycle's been around for 9 years cycle actually predates the public cloud and what happened was was that when jason started this having come out of the digital rendering industry uh he was really looking to go use grid technologies to grab cycles to make them available to the research community um, and it, and uh, about 18 months after having started, uh, was when he really uh, got the uh, was when AWS came online and the light bulb went off. And so it's really been this co-development path for for a long time before it started getting um, broader attention. As a result, um, those use cases come um, in a way that you can never get sitting around a conference room dreaming up a business plan. In all of these things from customers saying, I need to solve the following problem. And uh, um, that's the great thing about working in the research community is that they're typically pretty specific about the problem that they need to go solve. And as you 
continue to solve these things, then you start looking for commonalities of where you can then go scale that. So really I would say that the biggest opportunity and challenge for Cycle right now is identifying which ones of those use cases where we've been so successful in pharma, financial services, manufacturing, which ones of those use cases are the ones that are going to be most broadly applicable uh, to a marketplace that's not just individual researchers, but where we can also help center directors in the same way that we can help individual researchers. And I think mm -hmm. that's really where the opportunity is, but it's the thing that really requires focus now. Right, right. And you're certainly familiar with this community too, which is helpful. Right. Um, what are a lot of these folks looking for? Is it a matter of cost, uh, scalability, the ability to burst out and preserve a lot of what's important about their applications? What do you think is most important for you going forward as you focus and look for new opportunities? Well, it, you know, there's. Um, I, I think the best way to to answer that is just this week on um, on your site uh, that the um, there was a a post about what Novartis has done with a 10,000 core run uh, in terms of drug discovery, right? And so there are some really big numbers associated with that, um, but the most important numbers are the, the smaller numbers. So um, if people go out and take a look at the link for Novartis, you know, basically what it was was it was a 10,000 core run, which if you were to do that run today on a conventional machine, the hardware that was involved would have totaled somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to $40 million. Um, and that the, we were able to do that run all in uh, and would be able to replicate it for probably somewhere around twelve dollars or $13,000 per run. Um, mm -hmm. And those are the numbers that people want to gravitate towards most quickly because they can kind of get their arms around big piles of hardware and price performance. But the thing that was most important was that we took the work that they were doing and we got – that run down to 11 hours, which means that they basically said we can do one of these per workday. And out of the run that was done, because they were able to cover so many more parameters in the run, they were actually able to identify three very promising compounds. And so I think that what's happening right now as we bring more production customers online, people are going to focus more about what happens when you're not bound by the amount of hardware that you think you have access to, that you just scope your problem based on, hey, if I had unlimited hardware, if I had an unlimited platform on which to operate, this is the science that I could go do. And then we get to you know, where that really fits within the budget requirement. And I think that when they do that, you're going to start seeing things like people identifying more compounds. And when you do that, the funding challenges are going to diminish rapidly because people are going to understand what happens when you get better answers faster. Right, and I think that message has become a lot clearer. You and I spoke maybe, Tim, five or six years ago about this topic. Right. At the time, clouds were new, and we were saying, well, here are the big challenges. First of all, A, a lot of HPC applications are never going to run in a cloud environment. Right. B, the security challenges are so profound. How far do you think those concerns have progressed to where they're either still relevant or not relevant anymore? What's, what's the biggest concern, and, and, and is it one of the old ones? Well, it sounds cliche-ish, but... One of the biggest challenges that people face right now is just fear of the unknown. Right? People have spent a lot of time getting the infrastructure formula down to where it is today. And this is a risky proposition. I mean, moving from what was basically an internal infrastructure out to what's perceived as a wide open uh, arena to go run your science, 
you know, that can be kind of daunting. It can also be daunting if you start thinking about this in terms of cloud or infrastructure or internal or external. And I don't see it that way at all. The people who are being most successful are the ones saying, hey, look, um, yeah, okay, so if we've got some security concerns around that set of applications, well, then that set of applications will never leave our data center. Um, but we've got a whole bunch of, you know, 30% of our workloads that are running um, are public data sets. There's nothing we've got security concerns with anyway. And if you start running the numbers on the cost benefit, it's actually better to go run that externally, freeing up more resources for the applications that need to run internally. And so I think that the biggest shift that's going on right now is that I wouldn't say that there's been the magic wand waved and all of a sudden uh, security concerns have gone away or data movement charges have gone away or any of those other things that people have thrown out there as objections before. But what's happening is, is that people, again, as more production use cases come on board, people are feeling more comfortable to think more creatively about where can I pick my spots to go have this help me in what I'm doing. And I would say that there's one other piece of it that's really going to accelerate this thing. And you and I talked about this five or six years ago, which is that time to science is not the wall clock time. Time to science is the time that the researcher, whether they work for a pharma or whether it's a, uh, somebody in finance, one of the financial services companies or somebody on the pub, in the public sector, it's from the time that they want to go launch that job until they get their answer back, including the amount of time they sit in queue and the amount of time that it takes to move that data. So, so what if from a wall clock perspective, my job takes 31 minutes instead of 18 minutes, if I can get my answer back in two and a half hours instead of a day and a half. And so right. as people start to understand the total equation, um, what's going to happen is, is that people are going to get it, but it's also going to help people managing these resources centrally understand that their service level that, that they're providing to their user base is going to go up dramatically without having added a memory stick or an IB card anywhere to their internal infrastructure. Well, Tim, let's work this in uh, into what you're going to be doing there at Cycle. What are your what are your your goals there? What exactly are you doing? I mean, that's a pretty big title there, VP of Business <laughs> Development Ecosystem. You could be doing absolutely anything. What are right. you focused on? Well, and you've known me long enough too that I'm not big on puffy titles. So you when you when you do something like this, you try to figure out how to describe what you're doing without making it sound silly. But uh, the reality of it is, is that we've got, um, you know, I'd mentioned before that uh, we've really been a tight collaboration partner with AWS, you know, for years. And so there's a lot of work that we're doing right now with AWS um, and that anybody who's, who's actually had to, to deploy HPC resources to their user community knows that solving the technical problem is probably 40% of it. Um, there's a whole other piece of it in terms of making sure that the, that the entire workflow process, that everybody in it is educated, that the support pieces are right, that it's easy. And so a lot of what we're doing right now is working um, with AWS and a number of other partners to take all these great use cases that we've got and convert them into something that's going to be very easy for the broad base of customers to go get a point of entry. So, you know, you know my, my uh, 
strong sentiment about making it very easy for people to get a, a, a low point of entry to try this out, and that's what we're in the process of doing right now. Um, we're also doing, uh, you know, for Intel's been a good partner for years and years and years, um, you know, in several places that I've been. They're very interested in this space, um, and they're interested in figuring out how they can help their users, um, the users of their software and products, take advantage of it. And so we're working pretty creatively with them in terms of some things that we're doing, not just on the compute side, uh, but on the storage side as well. So most of my, my time is spent there, but the ecosystem part of this is that there is not a product for our customer base. Right? Every time that we solve a problem for a customer, by definition, there's going to be at least two, if not five different vendors involved. So the more that I can do, given my knowledge of the customer base, to bring all those people together to make it seamless for the users, that's my job. Well, very good. Tim, we'll be keeping an eye on what you're doing and, of course, what Cycle's doing. Thanks a lot for your time today. Hey, thanks a lot, Nicole. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.